This morning, as we begin the season of Lent, we are starting a new sermon series with the tagline, I cannot do this alone. And the scripture for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, starting in chapter 4. And it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left and the angels came and attended him. This is God's word for us this morning. And as we continue, we're going to be looking at our, if you grab your bulletins, we're going to be looking at this card. So if you have your bulletin with you, grab this out. If you don't have a bulletin, please pick a bulletin on the way out so you can grab it. It's a laminated card that has the sermon series on the front. And on the back is the prayer that Simon was talking about by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. This is something we would love for you to take home, to pray over on the daily, to just understand that we cannot do this alone. And if you, just, if you listen to the scripture that was just read, man, we cannot do it alone. So we're going to pray this together. I'm going to do the unbolded, so it's going to be on here, the screen. It's also on your uh, laminated card. I'll say the unbolded, and when it comes to the bolded part, we'll say that all together. Let's join in prayer. Oh God, early in the morning I cry to you. Help me to pray and to concentrate my thoughts on you. I cannot do this alone. In me there is darkness, but with you there is light. I am lonely but you do not leave me. I cannot do this alone. I am feeble in heart, but with you there is help. I am restless, but with you there is peace. In me there is bitterness, but with you there is patience. I cannot do this alone. I do not understand your ways, but you know the way for me. Restore me to my liberty and enable me to live now that I may answer before you and before all people. I cannot do this alone. Lord, whatever the day may bring, your name be praised. Amen. Good morning. So glad to be with you this morning. And uh, I want to start with something, um, a couple of words about something um, that I neither want to cause uh, panic or concern about, but also want to make sure we acknowledge. If you uh, go on uh, in the newspaper or social media or on TV, uh, you hear coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. As a matter of fact, one of our slides uh, malfunctioned at the first service, and somebody said, it's the coronavirus. Uh, <laughs> so I get that it's all around us, and 
want to take that, that uh, idea seriously and just extend a couple of things about uh, the church. We want you to be comfortable, uh, but we also don't want to be panicked by all this. Later today, we'll be taking Holy Communion. And uh, while there are essentials in the Christian faith, um, what's essential is the Holy Spirit working in you. So you may or may not feel comfortable coming to uh, dip the, the bread into the common cup. Many will, others may not. Uh, but if you're not comfortable with that, that's okay. You can just pass by and pray for a while or stay where you pray. Um, we do want you uh, to feel that your participation is full, even, even if you don't take from the cup. Uh, secondly, you, you'll notice today and, and probably for the rest of Lent, mostly because of the comfortability piece of this, uh, we're not going to have that time in here where you greet each other as part of our liturgy. I know that some of you creep, get creeped out by it every week anyway, so you're going to be like, yay. Uh, others of you, like, that's your favorite thing. So I just wanted to tell you that probably until Easter, we're just going to leave that out because we really don't know what's going to happen out there. I know coronavirus has been around for a while, um, but you can still hug and all that. And you already have friends and you know people that, some people like to shake hands and hug and you know when you're coming to them and you know if they don't like that. So uh, let's just respect each other's business in that, okay? So I don't want to go uh, too much, but um, engage each other a- as you feel called and comfortable doing in the places that you feel uh, comfortable doing that. Uh, let's pray. Uh, God, there's always many things around us. And we even know sometimes, Lord, that uh, the news of viruses and snowstorms and difficult things coming is accurate. Other times, uh, maybe we get too excited about things, Lord. And, and so we ask that you just calm our fears, calm our spirits. Uh, let us do the things that are right to protect ourselves and others. And of course, Lord, uh, the one thing that's never overblown is your willingness to be with us. The absolute promise that uh, you don't leave us alone and that when we call on, our li- on you in our lives, um, you don't leave us alone. We know we can't walk through this life uh, without guidance, without shepherding, without help. And so we call on you now. Uh, We desire, Lord, uh, to be created and remade in your image, that we might be partners with you in your work. In Jesus' name, amen. I love these cards that we gave out today. I do hope you take them home. I've got mine uh, sitting because I had a precursor a week or so ago. Uh, I've got this sitting on my desk already and already been working through it every day. Um, It is a prayer, as Simon said, written at the end of World War II by a a German preacher uh, that stood against uh, Hitler. And of course, uh, Hitler killed him, uh, but he knew what he knew. So, right into our Lenten sermon series. We start with this idea of, I cannot do this alone. And nothing is more obvious than that in the Christian church than the elements of communion. Because Christ even tells us, this is for you. It is not for him. This is for you. He shed his blood. He allowed his uh, body to be broken for you because we cannot do it alone. So we dive right in. We go, we go deep. We go deep first. And I go right at it like this. Temptation in the biblical sense is a situation in which one experiences a challenge to choose. Now understand, you get choices in all of life. And this is a time, temptation is a, is a challenge to choose between fidelity and infidelity to one's obligations towards God. So I'm not talking about your cravings for chocolate cake or anything like that. 
You know, I'm not talking about those little temptations that you can kind of easily uh, uh, beat in life and push back. But what I'm talking about is those things that really challenge kind of who you are and the core of your soul and and, and your spiritual being. And what I can tell you for sure is is that temptation is always situational. It's not constant. There are people that when you are with them, you are not tempted by that which pulls you away from the Lord. There are situations that you are in that you're not the least bit tempted to be drawn away from what your obligations to God. And I will tell you that the situations that they come in are like waves on the beach. They hit, they pull back. This is the nature of temptation. They hit, they let you think you're all right until an opportune time, bam, they hit again. Isn't that how it flows in your life? And every single temptation comes with a choice, and the choice is simple. It's for God or against God. Don't make it hard. Don't cut hairs. Choices are either for God or against God, and every life comes with temptation. Leon Morris wrote years ago, there is no freedom from temptation in this life. It's earthly life. There was not for Jesus, and there is not for us. Jesus becomes a human being to be our example of living. I remember back in the 80s or 90s, I don't know, one of those times, they kind of all blend together. There was this praise song that says, he came from heaven to earth to show the way. See, that little praise song, that little ditty that some of you sang in Bible school kind of fleshes this whole thing out. He, he, he put himself behind us. He put us in front of himself. In humility, he came from the loftiest of places. He came from the highest of heaven. He came from the glory of glories to become a human being, to put us in front of him, in front of his needs, to show us the way. His purpose is to show us how human life can be lived. Obviously, it doesn't have to be lived that way. We've already proved him that. But he shows us how human life can be lived. So to be, to be real, for, for Jesus to be truly real, he has to be fully real. That means that he has to be fully human. E- everything that comes with humanity, including temptations, has to come to Jesus. I remember teaching this to some seventh graders, probably a dozen years or not. Or not. And I said something ago, and I said something like that. I said, to be fully real, Jesus has to be like, just like the rest of us. He has to encounter temptations just like the rest of us. And this one little girl says, well, that's rude of God. I'm like, never heard that one before. That's rude of God to make Jesus go through all these temptations when he didn't have to. That, that's rude of God. And I remember, you know, as I was constructing my answer, one of our other 12-year-olds, a boy, said an answer that was better than the one that I was coming through. And I'm always so proud when kids come up with this. And he said, no, it's not rude. If he's going to be human, he has to be human. All the way human. And which one of us doesn't face temptations? Bishop Fulton Sheen back in the 50s wrote, You are not tempted because you are evil. You are tempted because you are human. That's when you give an amen, right? right? Because that's, that's like, of course. Because part of living with free will, and that's when one of the biggest blessings God gives us, is that we have this human free will, which means, and I will testify this because of your minds, you know that you have the capability and ability and even the inclination to think some of the best thoughts that have ever happened in the world. You do. And to aspire some of those things. And you also know you have the ability, inclination, and sometimes the aspiration to think some of the worst thoughts that ever happened in the life of the world. 
Remember last week when Kelsey said, whatever you do, don't follow your heart? My heart is an idiot, right? It is. It would take me some of the dumbest places. I need to follow Christ's heart. I need to follow God's heart because if I follow my own heart, it takes me to the low places. If I follow his heart, it takes me to the high places. But temptation, and this is probably where I should be, do a repeat after me today. Temptation does not have to be your ruin. Temptation does not have to be your ruin. We are tempted in hundreds of ways, both large and small, listen to this, to orient our lives away from our Christian calling, to accept compromises and conveniences. That's, that's always the thing, isn't it? It's never like, if Satan comes with like, you know, uh, like horns and a pitchfork, like that, we're like, no problem. But you remember the song, Devil in a Blue Dress? Have you ever, okay, get YouTube, open it up. <laughs> Temptations are subtle, and they urge us to compromise our principles and faith. Temptations are always subtle. They're not like poof, right in our face. That's too easy. We can push those back. And we're only tempted, we're only tempted by that which is within our power to do. You know, I'm not tempted, you know, to, to, to go buy an island like, some people can do just for certain purposes because I don't have the ability. But I have other temptations that are very much within my ability that push against me from time to time with great frequency. And you know about your temptations, don't you? You know how your temptations come, and they're within your power, and they're within your ability. I just want to think, just let's do a little drill here before we get to communion. I just want you to take... A temptation in your mind. We're not going to make you write it out or put it on a whiteboard or anything like that. Take a temptation in the last couple of years. You don't have to go back to when you were a kid or something like that unless you're a kid now. But take a temptation and say, how has that pulled on me over the last two years? How has that like drawn me? And I would tell you that if you're like most of us, it doesn't say jump off a cliff. Jump right into something horrible. It says, you know what? Just compromise a little bit. Just take a step. Right? Just, you're okay. It's not that bad. Just take another step. Are you, you where I'm at? You take three or four steps, you're pretty far away from where you, where you started. But you've got to play those out in, in your own mind because you know about yours. Because temptations are always an opportunity because they challenge our sense of direction. They challenge us to give up on our own possibilities. They challenge us to give up on what our best case scenario could be. They challenge us to, to compromise, or, and this is where I'm coming from, they challenge us to compromise who we are and who we could be, or lay our faith on the line. That's our choices. That, I love that when I don't have anybody to point fingers at except myself. Nobody else drugged me anywhere. See, temptation is the opportunity for something to come between you and God. Each temptation leaves you with the possibility of decision. Temptation every single time moves you towards a choice. Look at how Jesus was tempted. Satan comes to him, of which, by the way, Jesus is completely unafraid. Satan comes to him with a question. He says, if you are 
the king. If, I don't know how he said, if you are this, you know, I don't know if he's, you know, if you're this, you can do this. If you, and, and Satan puts a choice in front of Jesus. Three different times he puts a choice in Jesus. Our temptation is the same way. I mean, every temptation I've ever, fe- ever faced starts with some sort of either probably internally, because I don't get the little, you know, we don't get the little TV, devils and angels, right? Mike, just, psh, psh, psh. It, it's always this choice. Mike, if you would just, you know, fill in your blank. That's how they begin. But here's what I know, sadly from experience. Here's what some of you know too. Wrong choices lead to moral decline and they lead us away from God. They move us away from God. And wrong choices always progress. You always get one step, two steps, three steps, four steps. One wrong choice leads to another wrong choice because here's what you know. Once you can make wrong, one wrong choice, you can make another. Once you can do anything once, you can do it twice. Except get married, right? For most of us. Or in my mother's case, have a child like me. (laughs) She's here. Pray for her. Somebody put hands on her. Temptations are never once and for all. They're a daily matter. They're an opportunity that repeats itself over, over, over again. And I got to tell you this, Satan's timing is impeccable. If you're paying attention to Matthew 4, you can read the same thing in Luke chapter 4. You can read the same thing in the gospel of of Mark where Jesus is getting tempted. The, the, The story always begins with the word then. And you're like, then, that means something happened before that. Yes, here's what happened before it. Jesus went into the, to the river Jordan with John the Baptist and was baptized and the heavens opened up and God's voice comes down to Jesus and he lights on Jesus in the form of a dun and says, you are my beloved son, with you I am pleased. Then Jesus goes to the wilderness and then Jesus is 40 days in the wilderness, not eating, not drinking, and then Satan comes to him. So he comes to Jesus when he's tired and hungry, not when he's on a high spiritual moment. I bet, I bet right now, you know, in the middle of the songs we're singing, Satan had no power against you. Right now, as I go on a few moments, you might start to wander. He might start to creep in. I know that. But Satan's timing is impeccable. He comes to Jesus when he's tired, and he tempts him. Listen to this. He tempts Jesus with the idea of having a kingdom without the cross. Do you know how attractive that would be? You can be the king of all people, but you don't have to do that. That's the temptation, one of the temptations he puts before them. Of course, we have to be grateful that Jesus didn't take that because we would not receive our salvation then. But what Jesus' example does is he takes our excuses away. You know when you're weakest. You know when when those forces that push against you have that impeccable timing to walk right in and say, uh, why don't you choose differently than you know you should? Some of you uh, remember this movie. I'm starting to think now it was back in the 90s. You ever heard the movie Scent of a Woman? Al Pacino has this great narrative towards the end of it. I mean, it's, it's filtered with some um, army language. But what he says in the middle of that is he says, you know, throughout my life, when I've come to a crossroads, I've always been able to see what the right thing to do was. And I've never done it because it's too hard. It's too hard for that. Are you playing it right now? (laughs) 
Our example of Jesus Christ is the choice is in front of him. And he shows us the right way. And tells us without excuses. And so the possibility of your, of your choice, your decision, is to use your temptations to strengthen your conviction and your commitment to God's mission for you. Jesus' example is this. When he's faced with temptation, his example is one of decisive, aggressive opposition. He, he takes it right on. He, he, he doesn't counterpunch. He goes straight at it. He's unafraid of the battle. And his method of, of suppressing temptations is to move closer to God. He doesn't try to do it alone. He calls upon God. He says, Satan says, if you want to do this, then this. And Jesus says, it's written that you're wrong, Satan. Yeah, but what about, it's written that you're wrong. It's written that you're wrong. He calls on God over and over, and he's victorious. So really, the end of the temptation story should go like this. If you, if you love emojis, you know, and then Satan left him. Boom! Right? Sorry for the four of you. I just woke up. Welcome back. But in, <laughs> you got that in there. But in the same way, our response to the many multitude, however you want to put it, of temptations that we face should be decisive, aggressive in our opposition. We need to be unafraid of the battle. And in the midst of your deepest temptations, instead of fleeing from God, trying to hide from what it is that you're being, you know, trying to be convinced of doing, you need to move closer to God. We need to move closer to God. We need not try to do this life alone. We can depend on God. We can depend on his word. And be honest with you, even the people in this room whose names you do not know, you can depend on them. You can call upon them to assist you. Because I can't believe that there's anybody here that if you went to them and said, hey, I'm being tempted to do the wrong thing, they'd say, well, good luck with that. That's not how the Christian community should work. The most tempted people I know, the most tested people I know, are those who have resolved most deeply to live the Christian life. Because once you've been tested and tested hard and you have opposed those tests, you have gone at them with decisive opposition, you emerge with commitments that are so deeply ingrained in your character they cannot ever be overcome. Which is why I say use your temptations to strengthen your conviction and your commitment to God's mission from you. I will promise you this, God will not shield you from them. He did not shield Jesus, he shall not shield you they are a part of human life, and we love the human life. We love free will. So therefore, and hitherto, we are going to be tempted with regularity, with persistency. And when we're faithful, God allows us victory over our temptations day by day by day. I don't think there's a better thing we could say at the end of the day when we're laying down to sleep, you know, to sleep is saying, God, thank you for beating back my temptations with me today. Bam! And then lay our head down and say, let's do it again tomorrow. So Holy Communion is where we've come to. Holy Communion is where our difficulty was turned to triumph. Where, where God sent Christ to be our human example, he went to the cross and takes the difficulties that we face and turns it to triumph where he can say, this is for you. So in a few moments' time, on your knees, I encourage you, I, I admonish you to give your difficulties, to, to lay your temptations down before God. Don't worry, they'll come back tomorrow. 
I hate to promise you that, but it is likely. Give your difficulties, give your temptations to God, knowing that with him you can triumph over them. This is the word of God for us today. Now, I want to go to communion in a a real simple way with a couple of invitations and instructions. Uh, We take communion in the United Methodist Church at what's called an open table, which means uh, this is for you. If you want to receive Jesus Christ, if you want to embrace his love in your life, then you're invited to come forward. Um, And we take it in a simple way. It doesn't matter, by the way, if you're from some other faith tradition, we want you to feel welcome. If you're uncomfortable, we get it. And just stay and pray, and we'll we'll be concluding the service in a few moments' time. But the way we do this is you'll come, and you'll you'll first be greeted by uh, one of our ushers that'll have an offering box for you. You can drop your gifts or your yellow cards or both in there. You can then uh, take a piece of bread, from the cup or from the basket with your own hand and then move towards the cup and then dip it into the cup, one of these three cups here, uh, again, by your own hand and, and receive the communion. Come to the, to the altar. We'll be at the far, uh, your far left, your far right, and right here in the middle. So just go to the one that's in the closest section. And if we would, we'll return to our seats through kind of these uh, inner side aisles. Um, we have gluten-free Uh, We certainly don't want to be injurious to anyone in communion. So it's here in the middle. Um, You just simply go to that from wherever you're seated. If you're part of our homebound communion team, which extends our ministry beyond this place, uh, takes it to people in the hospitals, uh, takes it to people that are homebound or simply not feeling well enough to come, your bags are on your far left and you simply know how to go and get those uh, and take those. So the communion service that the Lord offers us commenced as follows. Uh, On the last night of his life, the Lord took a common loaf of bread, common to his day, uh, broke it in half, and then offered it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This bread represents my body. And just as you have seen this bread broken by human hands, you'll see my body broken by human hands. And so in memory of me, every time you eat bread, think of me. Now, after the supper, and everyone had had their fill, Lord Jesus Christ took the cup. Then he gave his Father in heaven thanks. And then he said to his disciples, drink from this, all of you. For in the cup is the wine, which represents my blood, which is shed for you and for all through the forgiveness of sins. So as often as you eat bread, drink wine. And remembrance of me. And so when we come to the table, that's what we do. We remember Christ. Remember the sacrifice he gave for us so that we don't have to fight the battles alone. Friends, I tell you what, in relative terms, I'm a fairly sturdy guy. But I will admit to you now, I cannot do life alone. And I know that you are, in relative terms, sturdy individuals. And I promise you, like me, You can't do this life alone either. So let's take these moments. Let's depend on the Lord. Give us just a couple of minutes to get ready. And then when you're prepared, come and eat. Drink at your Lord's table.